Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for April 13th, 2022. A little bit of a lighter week, uh, but still plenty of good books. Uh, Jay, and each, Jay and I each have five books to talk about, so let Jay kick it off. Um, but real quick, I'll remind everybody, if you're looking for the DC stuff, that's on our DC Spotlight that comes out on Tuesdays under our spoilers. So forewarned is forearmed, as opposed to New Comics Wednesday, which is always spoiler free. So let's kick it off with uh, an image book, A Town Called Terror, created and written by Steve Niles, co-created and art by Simon Kredansky. Message from Home. Yeah, this was a, an interesting book. I, I don't know that I have a feel for it yet. What do you think, Jay? Well, it's got that definitely that uh, that. That steel now, you know, uh, feel to it, you know, it's dark, gritty, um, starts off kind of creepy. I don't want to give it away, but then I guess it's going to be focused on a guy named Henry. I guess he's trying to, he was forced to go back home to deal with some issues with his father. But like I said, not much going on uh, dialogue wise, but you know that uh, it's a, a dark, gloomy place and there's going to be um, a lot of, uh, I guess, mystery to it. And of course, science fiction is going to be involved with this one. So it looks good. I mean, he does the thing with the vampires, which, you know, was great for him. And this one, like I said, it's just got that dark, gritty feel. You know, it's going to be bloody and it's going to get uh, dark, darker, faster, I think. <laughs> yeah. So for those that might not be familiar with Steve Niles or you're like, wow, where do I know that name from? Like uh, Jay said, vampire. So 30 Days of Night, which I th was a movie, which I think the movie starred. um Josh Hartnett, I think, was the one that started in that. Yeah, I think that's the first one, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not even sure if this is, like, what kind of monsters are going to be in here? Because uh, you're right, it does have a Steve Niles feel. 
is it werewolves? Is it zombies? Is it vampires? Just it's too soon to say. But what I will say is when it comes to horror and sequential like storytelling and visual narrative for horror, nobody does it better than Simon Kradansky, man. Like I love Kradansky's art on horror. Uh, I hate to pigeonhole him and, and say he he can't do superhero or he can't do this or that. He and I've he's done other things and I've I've read other things, but for me, his art is the best when he does horror. Like Black Eyed Kids from Aftershock is one of my favorite Aftershock titles, one of my favorite horror titles like ever. Uh, and that's I think that's the first time I ever saw Kronansky's art. So his art here just sings and uh, it, it's yeah, it's really, really good. He does the, the colors also. So uh, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, so check it out. Set up issue for sure. Like Jay said, we're not sure what's going on other than Henry is, uh, as Jay said, the main character is forced to go home. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, okay, my first book is from Marvel. It's Captain Carter's issue number two. Jamie McKelvey's the writer. Marika Crest, the artist. Eric Arsenega on colors. Clayton Cowell on letters. Um, I have mixed feelings. I talked about it in the first issue. It's like, really, you're going to bring Captain America back by saying he's frozen in ice, right, for decades and whatever. He comes back. He's thought out. And then you bring back Peggy Carter, and it's like in the same way. Like she was frozen in ice. He couldn't come up with a better plan. So I don't know. That that just bugs me a little bit. But that being said, I am enjoying what Jamie McKelvey's doing here. If I'm not mistaken, Jamie McKelvey's British and he's using this story of, of Captain Carter being sort of a, a woman out of time, much like uh, Captain America at, at one point was a man out of time. Like she's coming back to, uh, a United Kingdom that she doesn't recognize. And that's understandable. You know, she's been gone for 70 years or whatever, but it's like, even the ideals, even the freedoms, even you know, the things that she thinks would endure and, and always be true about the United Kingdom are not the case. You know, they're, they're no longer a welcoming place for immigrants and that sort of thing. And so in that way, it's very topical. Uh, and I think McKelvey's making a using this book to make a, a statement about um, his home country, and and that to me is interesting and, and relevant. Uh, some people might not like it; they might say, "Oh, it's too political or whatever." But that's what's making it interesting and making it not just another generic uh, superhero book. So uh, I'm enjoying that. Uh, the art by Marika Cresta. I'm not that familiar with this artist. I don't know that I've seen her work before. Uh, the line work, it, I guess the best way to, to describe it is it could use a little more refinement, uh, not necessarily detail, but it's, it's very, it seems very generic. There, there's nothing that makes it stand out. Um, the storytelling is, is okay. You know, the transitions from panel to panel are okay. The panel layouts are okay. It's just, it's very kind of standard. There's nothing that, uh, there's not a lot of chances being taken. There's never any panel breaks or anything like that. So while it's an adequate job, it, there's nothing in the art that gets me excited. Um, but again, it might be that somebody who's just starting out. So I uh, wouldn't say the art's bad, but there's nothing that, that jumps out at me uh, about it. So solid book. And uh, as I said, McKelvey's 
political commentary, I guess, is is the most interesting aspect of the book so far, at least for me. Uh, okay, up next we have, this is interesting, we have a, an Electra issue this week, and it's issue 100. And it is cool that if you go to um, the end of the first story, they actually give a color gallery, a, a cover gallery that basically counts down, hey, here's how they got to 100. Um, so that is... That is pretty cool that they do that. Uh, and there's several stories in here. The main story is written by Anne Nascenti, longtime Daredevil writer. Sid Cotian is the artist. Edgar Delgado does the colors. Clayton Cowell does the letters. And then after that cover gallery, there's a, a short story, which is pretty fun. That's written by Declan Shelby. Stefano Raphael is the artist. Rochelle Rosenberg on colors and Clayton Cowell on letters. And then after that, there are these mini Marvel comics like. They're like comic strips and they're by Chris Geruso. Um, and there's one that's sort of like the peanuts and there's one that's like the electric company. Um, the first one is actually called mini Marvels. The second one is Electra company and it's in that style. And then there's one that's like um, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. It's called Maddie and stick. And there's one that's like Hagar the horrible, but it's called dagger. The, whore, uh, the wearable, because, um, you know, she has the, the daggers. So the, those little mini Marvel comics are actually my favorite part, part of the book. Um, I especially liked the, uh, the first one, like the Peanuts one, <laughs> where she does what she does to Bullseye. That, that, yeah, that was great. So anyway, what do you think of the main story here, Jay? It was interesting. I, uh, I, I thought it'd be... I'm not trying to be put down the writer, but I was thinking like a better story. I mean, it focused around Typhoid Mary. I guess we get more of a backstory of her and Electro, their history. And the way it ends is kind of like, okay, that's, you know, the reason she says why she's you know, with Kingpin and all that. I'm like, all right, I guess it's all right. But I expect a little bit more, I guess, because as being an Electro fan and being a hundred issue, I expected a lot more, but I didn't. <laughs> but it was still fun. Yeah, I didn't know that Electro and and Typhoid Mary had history before. I mean, there, it, it does reference uh, Electra Black, White, and Blood, but that's a really super recent book as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is just trying to establish some some past history with the two. I mean, I guess there's it's planting the seeds for future stories that could work, but I, but I feel this is kind of the same way you do. I mean, for a character as major as Electra is, especially recently in Daredevil, I ex would expect a little more out of an issue 100. Um I mean, I think it's a little telling that my, my favorite things about the this issue 100 are the cover gallery and the little mini comics. Um, the Declan <laughs> Shelby story is is interesting as well. Um, he knows when to kind of get out of the way, the very little dialogue. So that was fun. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, the main story, I just, I don't know, didn't didn't seem great. Although I, I will also say the preview uh, of the cover for Devil's Reign Omega by Lee Inyuk. Man, that cover is fantastic. Definitely yeah, pick that up. Definitely. It's a good, it's a cool cover. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on. Next book I'm going to talk about is Rain. Uh, this is the final issue from Syzygy Publishing through Image. Uh, it's part four. So the original story is by Joe Hill. Uh, it's a short story or novella. It's adapted by David Boer. 
Art is by Zoe Thorogood. Colors are by Chris O'Halloran. Letters by Sean Lee. Uh, so when David was on and told me about this, I got I got pretty excited because um, I haven't read a ton of Joe Hill, but I'm a big fan of David's work, and uh, it immediately made me want to read this story. Um, so if you're not familiar with the story of Rain, one day for unexplained reasons, these crystal needles start falling from the sky and and people just die by the thousands because um, it keeps happening over a period of days. And the story, especially with the art of Zoe Thorogood, is so emotional and, and unexpected. And so, yeah, when David told me about it, I was like, man, I want to read that story by Joe Hill, but I want to experience the comic first. So now that we've got all four issues, I'm really looking forward to going back and, and reading the short story now and seeing how it compares because uh, the overwhelming thing that I get from this rain adaption is, is emotion. This is a story that is, is, is built and the engine of it, uh, it's built on a foundation of emotion, emotion and the engine that keeps it moving is uh, emotion um, about how people especially the main character here uh, cares so much about her, her girlfriend who passed away her um, honeysuckle is her name. Um, and she's trying to get to, to Denver to make sure that her uh, girlfriend's father survived the, uh, this horrible thing that's happened because her girlfriend had, had come to her. I think, she, I think she was in, um, can't remember what city she was in um, junction, Colorado junction or something. Another grand junction. Maybe that was it. Um, but anyway, her, 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 her girlfriend and her girlfriend's mom got caught in outside when the needles started falling and died. Uh, and so she feels this obligation to go make sure that her girlfriend's dad is, is alive and the revelations and, and stuff that she's been through throughout the story. Again, it just, it ratchets up the emotion and, it's such a bleak story in a lot of ways, but in the end that is sort of flipped around. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm being vague for obvious reasons that I don't want to spoil, but um, it, again, just such an emotional story and Zoe, Zoe Thorogood's uh, her art style here is a little on the simplistic side, but it works because it, it allows the emotion to land, I think even more because that's what comes across rather than you getting lost in details of background or, um, or character acting or what have you. It's the emotion of the story that, uh, that comes through most strongly. So uh, I really enjoyed it. It definitely makes me want to read the, uh, the short story, which I will be doing soon. Uh, okay. Up next from Jay, we have Noctera. What issue? We're up to issue number nine. This is from writer Scott Snyder, Tony S. Daniel on art, Marcelo Maiello on colors, and world design on letters. What do you think of this one? Well, this is my book of the week because I just like the uh, story a lot. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. I usually, when you send me uh, previews, it's the first one I usually read if I get it. But it, it's never disappointing. Um, we kind of get like uh, like most of the issues. We get like a, a glimpse into the big before the big PM hit. You know what they were doing, some of these characters, and how life used to be good before it all went to crap. I guess. Uh, so this one we got Val, uh, M, and Piper all working together with uh, Black Tab Bill, which is probably never a good thing because <laughs> this guy is so evil. Um, and they're trying to head uh, to Luna because they trying to find the light source 
uh, it's great because there's a lot of action when it just takes off with the action of them trying to be being hunted down. Um, I won't give away the surprise, but well, Black Tab Bill kind of helps out. But the way he helps out, it's like, really, this is this is how you help. <laughs> and just the way he had, you know, this as a backup plan is just kind of monstrous. There's no way to put it. Um, there's a lot of bantering going back and forth with the characters. Uh, of course, you know, they don't trust them and they're just trying to find for uh, information out. Um, the ending is like the an interesting part of the story in this because we have Blacktop Bill having a chat with Piper and he's pretty much explaining, hey, the dark truth of it all. You know, what's this, you know, of what's what do you expect from this to happen? You know, and it kind of goes like, yeah, he's probably right. You know, it's probably what's, what's going to happen. But it's a fun uh, series. Our work is phenomenal. It's just like I said, it's supposed to be a world that's dark, but the, the coloring is just perfect in some of the scenes so you can see the light. And the character, like I said, uh, Black Tail Bill is just, wow, he's just a, an interesting character. Yeah, and if any of you are listening to this going, what do you mean Black Tail Bill with uh, the Sundog group? Yeah, that was the big reveal at the end of, of last issue, um, that they, they had captured Black Tail Bill and they're forcing Black Tail Bill to work with them. So it, it was a real twist that uh, I give a lot of credit to Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel for throwing that twist at us. Cause I certainly didn't, didn't see it coming. So yeah, fantastic book. Good, good pick for, uh, for book of the week. Uh, okay. Next up for me, another Marvel book, Miles Morales issue number 37 written by Saladin Med. Christopher Allen is the artist, David Curiel on colors, Corey Petit on letters. Um, so this, what's been going on is miles and his clone shift have been trying to shut down the assessor and they broke into the assessor's hideout and ended up having to, take on um quantum who has the the space infinity gem and they were able to defeat him but what they discovered was that in this hideout or headquarters of the assessor there are all these doors or pathways to other parts of the marvel multiverse and through one of these doors miles sees his uncle aaron so he thinks his uncle aaron for for some reason he doesn't stop, stop and think oh maybe that's a different version of my uncle aaron or, you know, another multiversal version. He just thinks, oh, it, that is my Uncle Aaron from this universe, and he's lost in the Marvel multiverse. So he jumps through the door, him and Shift, and they've been traveling through different parts of the Marvel multiverse uh, trying to find his uncle. Uh, and then as a cliffhanger at the end of issue 36, he runs into um, Ultimatum, which is kind of an evil version of himself, an evil version of, of Miles Morales that he's fought before uh and so in this issue he confronts him and, and is trying to find some answers to um to where his uncle is so um it ends with uh, them going to a, another uh dimension in the marvel universe where kind of interesting what's going on there certainly seems like it's going to uh, challenge miles and shift but i've talked before about how this particular story doesn't really feel like it suits the tone of the book in a lot of ways. I talked a little bit about it with the clone saga, how it seemed to be shifting really feel like before the clone saga, the miles Morales book. And this was true uh, when miles was in the ultimate universe as well. The book always felt so grounded to me. It felt like a superhero book, but it felt very grounded. There weren't 
you know, fantastical dimensions and, and stuff that was really far-fetched. It was, it felt like a grounded street level book. Um, maybe solid Enemed is, is trying to branch out and make it feel more crazy and cosmic. But I mean, I can't think of too many Spider-Man stories, classic Spider-Man stories where it goes to that level, right? Like Spider-Man has always been a, a hero or a, a, a title that, stayed very grounded uh even if you look at his his uh villains they're very physical villains they're not super you know powered beings he's not going up against galactus and that sort of thing so i'm not sure how much this is working for me but i can see why solid ahmed is is taking this uh taking this path and especially when you see what where uh miles and shift end up at the end of this issue you're like okay i can kind of see how how it comes back around so i guess we'll have to wait and see how how issue 38 plays out uh okay next up for jay so this has a huge amount of creators uh we'll probably just give it an an overview unless there's some a particular story that you you want to call out but it's uh the image 30th anniversary anthology uh issue one of 12 which i didn't realize this was going to go 12 issues man that, that that's a lot and because if it's celebrating images 30th anniversary you would have thought it would have started in january and had one issue a month because now this is going to go past the 30th anniversary year of image but whatever uh regardless <laughs> it's it's a bunch of stories that feel like they tie into other image titles that are going on and supposedly i suppose that might be the point hey we're trying to get you to pick up some of these other titles so we've got the blizzard by Jeff Johns, Andrea Moody, and Rob Lee, which I, that was my favorite story by far. Don't know how it ties into anything that Jeff might be doing with his mad ghost stories or whatnot, but it's an interesting start. Uh, Then we had Old Dog, The Drop by Declan Shalby and Clayton Cowles, which feels like standalone. Uh, And the Blizzard's part one of 12, Old Dog, The Drop, it's just, there's no indication that it's gonna continue. And we got part one of three for Gospel for a New Century by Wyatt Kennedy and Liana Vecchio. And that felt very much like the Bolero book that's coming out right now that's also drawn by Luano Vecchio. Uh, Kaya, part one of four by Wes Craig and Jason Wordy. Stupid Fresh Mess, part one of 12 by Scotty Young and Nate Picos. Hopeless, part one of three by Mirka Andolfo, Chiara de Francia, and Fabio Amelia. Red Stitches, Part 1 of 12 by Brendan Fletcher and Erica Henderson. Shift, Part 1 of 4 by Kyle Higgins, Danielle DiNiculo, Walter Diamante, Katie Ranali, and Becca Carey. Gehenna, Part 1 of 12 by Patrick Kineland, Maurizio Rosenweig, and Jim Campbell. And finally, Dogma, Part 1 of 12 by Dean Haspel. So, yeah, uh, again, Blizzard was my favorite. There are a couple others that are pretty interesting. The Scotty Young one was fun. So uh, I'll probably be picking this up and following it along, but man, it's, it's six bucks, but you do get like 68 pages. So, uh, and a lot of different styles of stories. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I was thinking we we're talking about it earlier. It's like, is it really worth six bucks? But some of the stories are kind of worth it. Like uh, the blows I'm looking forward to, cause it's one of 12. So we know we're going to have uh, Moody and uh, Jeff Johns writing. So that'd be worth the grab for me personally. Um, like I said, there was like one hitters, like the old dog, which I thought was really good artwork, but that's just a one shot. Like, okay. <laughs> and then summer four and summer three. Um, but the last one looks good too. Um, 
was it Billy uh, Dogma? That looks, I just like the artwork, the black and white. Sometimes I think um, people just don't appreciate just black and white. You know, I just, I just like that. And for that uh, artist, it, it's perfect sense with that story. I do like those two are my two favorite ones so far in the story, but uh, yeah, maybe they'll cross past with the other stories i don't want to miss something go oh you know they mentioned that over here so it's kind of like i don't want to miss part of the the image world that's why i gotta get it you know <laughs> yeah like the shift story by kyle higgins definitely gives some more context to his uh, radiant black story so yeah i'll probably be in the same boat i'll be picking these up i mean these are creators that i i admire their work and yeah dean haspel fantastic creator Jeff Johns, Kyle Higgins. So yeah. Probably, oh yeah. And you might have another dog issue in there. So it's like, ah, I don't want to miss that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or th sometimes this is the kind of thing where you get a, a first appearance, you know, like, right. Look, uh, look at like the first appearance, true appearance of invincibles and a backup story and that kind of thing. So you never know for the speculators out there. Uh, okay. My next book is from Aftershock. It's Kaiju Score, Steal from the Gods, The Sweet Spot, issue number one. James Patrick is the writer. Rem Baru does the art and colors. Dave Sharp on letters. So th this takes one of the characters from the original Kaiju Score um, and kind of follows her on, on the, the fallout of the first Kaiju Score series and why she's doing what she's doing. And I, I really appreciated the follow-up from James Patrick. Because Kaiju Score, I think, is uh, is a fantastic book. And for those that aren't familiar, it's it's basically a matchup of two different genres, right? The kaiju, giant monsters, and a heist. Um, and so in the first Kaiju Score, basically Miami, the city of Miami, gets evacuated because they know that this kaiju is going to come ashore there. And then this crew takes advantage of the evacuation to steal a, a giant safe filled with gold or whatever. Um and so, again, there's there's consequences and there's betrayal and there's all kinds of cool stuff that goes on in that story. And I do recommend it. And one of the members of that crew that got put together to do that heist is the main character of, of this story. And uh, again, she's she's made some some promises to herself based on what happened in that Florida score. And she we don't. I don't want to spoil it, but um, yeah, she's not necessarily, things are not necessarily going the way that she would want them to in a way. I mean, in a way they are, they're going exactly as she would want them, but she's just not at the place where she wants to be regardless of how things are going. So um, there may be, she may end up having to do something that she promised herself she wouldn't ever do again. So uh, Rem Brew, the artist, he's got a, um, a very cartoonish style, a little bit of uh, manga influence, and his colors are very bright, which suits the story as well. So I'm digging this. If anything, I, after one issue, I'm enjoying this more than the first series uh, than, I, than I did after one issue of the first series. But I don't, I don't mean to, to disparage the first. I don't say that to disparage the first series. I say that to tell you go pick up the first series because this series builds on that. And I don't think I would enjoy this as a standalone issue as much as I do if I didn't have the context of the first series. So um, it's the, the, the first series Kaiju score is collected in trade. You can get it from Aftershock. Uh, in fact, I gave one out to somebody at, um, at WonderCon a few weeks ago. 
So uh, that, that's how good I, I think the story is. Like, um, Definitely worth checking out. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay is X-Men 92, House of 92, which is an interesting name. It's like X-Men 92 and then House of with 92 in Roman numerals. So uh, written by Steve Fox, Salva Espin is the artist, Israel Silva does colors, and Joe Sabino on letters. Man, it really feels 90s. So what did you think, Jay? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in the 90s. It's... Uh... I'm not giving away anything because it tells you right when you uh, look at the previews what's going on. So I guess we're getting like uh, a mixture of the 90s with some of the stuff that's going on today. So in this one, we have the X-Men going to mission and we see a lot of them getting, uh, you know, uh, things going awry in the mission. But then they come back. So now we have them back on the island 30 years before they're right now on the island where you know mutants don't die so it's like okay i guess kind of, to me it's kind of feel like a what if issue if they could have it back in the day you know if, you know all those x-men you know would never been uh hurt so i don't know i, I it's interesting how they're going to do with, with the storyline with that concept into it because uh are they going to have you know the day of uh you know when uh scarlet witch said no more mutants is that going to be part of the play we're going to go with we're going to do that too because that's just my my concept is like so are they, are they going to play that too but they're also hiding like a secret on the on the uh, island which is interesting why they're hiding the secrets I, i'm not too sure what's the premises but i think one of the x-men kind of can sniff out that there's uh something being hidden on the island i don't know if this is a one shot i don't know if it's going to if we're going to get more of it. Um, oh, I think, yeah, I think there's like five issue. I think it's a five issue. Yeah. It just, it was real weird. Like you said, it feels like a mashup. It's almost like, okay, we understand that the concept and the ideas that Jonathan Hickman created for the X-Men before he left, uh, you know, worked on it for two or three years, whatever it was, are really complicated. And so now we're at a point where, if you don't go back and start from the beginning of Hickman, uh, Hickman's stuff with House of X and Powers of Ten, you have no way in. Um, and so it almost feels like, well, let's print uh, an X-Men 92 book, which might pull in some fans of that era and fans of the X-Men animated cartoon. And we'll throw in some of the aspects of what Hickman has built So, and we'll, we'll simplify them. So if people want to, you know, they like those ideas and they want to jump on the regular books – this is like a, like an on-ramp series, you know, you read this and it's very simple and, and the art is very much reminiscent of uh, the animated X-Men cartoon, but with like slicker colors. Um, and you can read this and you can get, you can gr start grasping the concepts that are going on with Krakoa and with the five that can resurrect mutants and all that sort of thing. So yeah, very much a mashup or like you said, a what if, um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out, but it does feel very commercial. Like, you know, like there's even, <laughs> the, the, they try to go with like the nineties designs and pastel colors and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I was looking for Max Hedrum. If you don't know who that is, you're too young, but that's what I was looking for too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So my last book and my book of the week is from dark horse and it's called breakout. It's issue number one. It's written by Zach Kaplan. They have incredible line art by Wilton Santos, beautiful colors by Jason Wordy, letters are by Jim Campbell. Um, and I got a chance to talk to Zach Kaplan 
And that episode will be out tomorrow. We talked about this book. We talked about Metal Society that he has coming out first week of May. And we talked about his upcoming Mindset series from Vault, which drops in June. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a fan of Zach, been a fan of him for a long time. He's been on the show several times. Uh, he really leans into this idea of technology and humanity and how those things work together. He loves to write sci-fi. He's a big sci-fi fan. Um, so I had high expectations for this. And then I read it and it, it blew me away. It was so much better than I even expected to the point that the, the last page, I, I, I even got a little choked up. And I got goosebumps because it was so kind of relevant. Um, and it, so the story is about these cubes that show up around the planet one day and they start taking kids um, and the governments of the world try to do various things to stop them, but they basically get their butts kicked. And so they just give up and just say, oh, well, we'll just live with it, you know, while the, the while kids are just being taken. Um, and so in a lot of ways, the story is about the kids deciding to make a stand for themselves. Um, so it, it's at, at a high level, it's super entertaining as kind of this action adventure uh, story, almost like a, a heist story uh, in a lot of ways, because these kids that are taken are, are being held prisoner in these cubes. Um, and these kids that have decided to not just lay down and take it are trying to figure out a way to break them out. Thus the name breakout. So that's where the kind of the heist uh, feel of it comes through. So uh, it's, it's really fantastic. I had a great chat with, with Zach about this and metal society and mindset. So I do encourage everybody to listen to that tomorrow, but if you only pick up one book this week, it should be breakout. I, I have a feeling that this book is going to sell out and cause I haven't, I mean, dark horse promoted it and I saw I saw some marketing, but you know, it's so hard to get the word out these days and cut through all the noise. So I have a feeling this is going to be one of those series that builds throughout because it's so good that people are going to be talking about it. And if you don't pick it up on the first day, you may not find it. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to become a TV show. I'm not saying it's going to become a movie. But what I will say is literally all of Zach's projects in the past have all been optioned for other media. So if, it, if this book is scarce, uh, if there's a demand for it and it's hard to get and it becomes, a, you know, optioned, again, it's, it's going to be worth something. So do yourself a favor. Don't miss out. Pick up Breakout. Uh, okay, let's give a rundown on some of the other books that are coming out today that you might want to be on the lookout for. Uh, in addition to the uh, kaiju score over at Aftershock. There's also Midnight Rose, which is a, a like a 70-page one-shot written by Jim Starlin. Uh, didn't get a chance to read that, but it is out. Uh, over at AWA, uh, Telepath Trade Paperback is out, which is continuing the uh, kind of shared universe that J. Michael Straczynski is building over there. Uh, from Boom, we have uh, Tom Taylor's Seven Secrets, number 16. Uh, at Dark Horse, uh, as I said, breakout number one and also last flight out number six of six, which I'm, I'm really excited to see how that story uh, finishes up at DC. Again, you can listen to these on our DC spotlight. We have Batgirls number five, Batman 89, number five of six, Batman Catwoman, number 11 of 12, Batman Urban Legends 14, 
the flash beyond flashpoint beyond event kicks off with number zero of six uh flash uh, future state rather gotham number 12 green lantern number 12 which brings the uh, jeffrey thorne era of green lantern to a close i am batman number eight written by john ridley we have the second issue of naomi season number two sandman universe nightmare county or nightmare country rather number one which is a black label so i'm i'm not sure if it if it's in canon for Sandman universe and the black label just means it's mature or if it contradicts previous Sandman stories, I, I'm not a Sandman guy, so I'm not sure. Uh, speaking of black label, we have suicide squad blaze number two of three uh, Superman Cal, uh, son of Kal-El number 10, and then wonder woman number 786, which is part five of trial of the Amazons uh, over at image in addition to the books that we talked about we have king spawn number nine nita hawk's nightmare blog number six and i think that's it oh i should mention an idw gi joe real american hero 40th anniversary special number one is also out and then at marvel we have black panther number five there's a second printing of black panther number four um let's see what else eternals number 11 um, all right, mentioned that Star Wars number 22, Star Wars Darth Vader, <clears throat> excuse me, number 22, Venom number seven, what if Miles Morales number two of five, where Miles Morales becomes Wolverine, and X Men number 10. And I think that is it. Anything else that you want to mention, Jay? Yeah, I got a uh, Scout Comics. They got a uh, Vanity Number One. It's uh, focused around a, a vampire and how she's trying to figure out her past. I just like the vampire genre, so for me, that's kind of cool. Um, I think you mentioned a Blaze, right? Life Zero Number Three comes out. I did not mention that. Yeah, so that's actually been a fun series where Miss comes and changes everybody into like a zombie. So it's uh, they're in a prison break and trying to get one of their guys out. It's been a fun ride. The artwork is really great. Uh, writer is uh, Stefano Avetti and the artist is uh, Marco. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I always have a problem with that name. And then uh, from artist writers, we got Hit Me Number Two, and that focuses around a girl named Lulu who's a prof- uh, professional. Uh, girl you hire but she gets you beat her up it's got a lot of sex it's got drugs it's got uh diamonds that are uh that she finds in this uh, last in the first issue it's got a lot of action so it's really good that'd be it all right well, that'll be it everybody i uh, hope you can get out to your comic shop today i'm glad it's uh, a smaller week honestly because two weeks Whoa. ago i didn't pick up my books and then i it was a big week last week Oh, it was uh, bad. <laughs> I went in, yeah, I went in last week and dropped like 200 bucks. So, yeah, nice to have a, a smaller week this week, but still some great books. And, and like I said, uh, if you're only going to pick up one book, Breakout is my pick. Uh, Jay's is Noctera, number nine. So can't go wrong with either one. So we appreciate you listening as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Happy Easter. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.